Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Austria's finest naturally authentic pumpkin seed oil from the Steiermark, available at organicuniverse.com. Listeners of The Organic View can receive a dollar off their purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, professional beekeeper Walter Hoffiger, who is the president of the European Professional Beekeepers Association, the board of directors of the German Professional Beekeepers Association, coordinator of the International Federation of Beekeepers Associations, Apomondia's working group 10 on GMOs, is going to be our guest today. He's going to talk to us today from Luxembourg at the European Court of Justice in regards to his efforts to help defend the ban on neonicotinoids. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June, and uh, hello, Walter. From sunny Colorado, we're having one of our dry, warm midwinter spells. The bees will be flying over the next few days, and the first of the pollen is coming in. Great. Uh, Yes, uh, Tom uh, and June, I'm happy to be on the show again. And here in Luxembourg, we had uh, beautiful weather uh, all day, so I'm sure the bees were flying uh, of the beekeepers here in this area. But um, I had to spend the whole day in a climatized uh, courtroom. Walter, can you give our listeners a little bit about the history for people who who are not familiar with this lawsuit and the significance just some of the finer points, and then let's get into your efforts to defend this ban. Right. So um, as uh, many of your listeners uh, know, uh, the European Union, the European Commission, actually uh, took action after the beekeeping community and the environmental community uh, reported uh, problems related to neonicotinoids. And these uh, ext- uh, chemicals are extremely toxic to bees, and they were authorized anyway. And this resulted in all kinds of problems that your listeners are already aware of. And the first action that um, the commission took was to ask EFSA, the European Food Safety Authority, to review new scientific data and uh, do a review to see whether the authorization of these products um, can be maintained or whether it needs to be changed or some uses need to be banned. Based on the um, report by EFSA that clearly showed um, risks and data gaps in the authorization, the European Commission then actually initiated um, an effort to convince the member states to do a ban, a partial ban of certain uses that are deemed particularly harmful to bees. And uh, the member states actually voted on the ban and it was allowed to go into effect. And this 
is an action that is uh, pretty unusual from the perspective of the uh, plant protection industry or the pesticide industry because they think once a product is authorized, they have um, at least 10 years of unimpeded marketing. So after the commission took the, um, this action, the plant protection industry um, uh, buyer, BSF and Syngenta and all kinds of associations from the agricultural industry filed a court case against the commission claiming that the, the commission has no power to uh, take this action after the products are authorized. So uh, this is basically where um, the whole process started. Now, the way the court system works here in the European Union is that you can actually affect it by a court case, even though you're not originally a party to the case, you can file to uh, be uh, somebody helping one of the parties of the case. So a bunch of industry groups filed with the court to become party to the case to help buyer BSF and Syngenta. And we as uh, actual beekeeping organizations filed with the court to be uh, a party to the case and help the commission. Uh, we wanted to do this for several reasons. One, we wanted to make sure that the commission uh, is going to defend its decision vigorously. This was especially important because the commissioners uh, had changed in the meantime, so uh, we were not sure whether they would be as eager as their uh, predecessors to, um, to be behind this action. And also, we wanted to uh, get uh, access to all the court filings so that we could see um, how industry was arguing their case and how um, the commission was mounting the defense so that we uh, could make sure that the perspective of the beekeepers is actually heard. Um, the uh, industry first objected to be, uh, us being part of uh, this, uh, the proceedings at all, but the court rules against them. Then they provided all their material with significant uh, um, uh, portions blacked out, uh, redacted. And so um, we asked the court to get these redactions uh, removed, and we were successful with that. And that's kind of a funny story because we had uh, uh, a German national television interviewing us about the case, and we showed them the original black pages uh, that we received from industry. And uh, I said, well, the court uh, is about to, to uh, order the industry to give us uh, full access to the unredacted documents. And uh, from that point on, the black pages will be extremely helpful for us because uh, this helps us um, to identify the areas uh, that we need to look most closely at. So this exercise, I think, from the industry was pretty self-defeating. So uh, then uh, we um, actually prepared our own uh, court filings. 
And uh, this kind of a case drags on for a long time. And uh, about a month ago, we were notified that uh, there will be uh, oral arguments um, in all three cases uh, this week. This is why I'm in Luxembourg. So um, the industry objected to any attempts to combine the cases, which means the poor court has to hear the buyer, the Syngenta and the BSF case separate from each other, even though the uh, issues are in, in most cases the same. So this is why um, I was uh, or I'm still am in, in Luxembourg. I'm sorry, in Luxembourg. And... Um, um, tomorrow we'll have the next case. Uh, today was Bayer, tomorrow it's Syngenta, and on Friday it's BISF. Have they presented any new arguments, or are they still using the same manufactured responses about how neonicotinoids are not killing the bees, so on and so forth? Well, there is kind of a background noise. Uh, they clearly, uh, at least the buyer representatives today, said there is no evidence that there is actually a causal relationship between bee losses and their product. Uh, they even tried the story again that because there's no varroa in uh, Australia, the Australian beekeepers uh, have no problem with neonicotinoids. So uh, there were some of the uh, stories that they use in public, but because um, you know this is a really serious court case, the arguments were focused much more about uh, the rights of the commission to intervene after authorization has been granted. And uh, this is also uh, because, um, yeah, the news media um, uh, have are really um, paying attention to this case because it's not just about the neonicotinoids. It's about the more general question of uh, whether a authorization after it's been granted can ever be uh, reviewed and, uh, and a product can t be taken off the market. The industry argues that it takes them... Um, about a quarter to half a billion dollars to develop a product. And it takes 12 to 15 years to get it authorized. And if uh, the authorities can then, after authorization, just because some new scientific studies have been published, uh, can take the product off the market again, then they have no chance to recoup their investment. And essentially, this destroys the foundation of their business model, investing in, a, in the research of a product and then being able to market it. So a lot of it was about the question of whether uh, the authorities have the right to intervene afterwards. And the industry's position uh, is that uh, the initial review was done properly and the review after authorization was done in a way that was unpredictable for the industry. So they had no idea what criteria would be used to reassess their products. That's, that's really the, the heart of their argument. How does that tie into the fact that these problems 
were created due to the global decline of our pollinators. I mean, that's a very big issue. Shouldn't the environmental impact be paramount? Um, this is actually how the um, European law is written. And so it actually says during the risk assessment, you have to look at the impact on human health, animal health, and the environment. You also have to look at uh, what agriculture uh, needs, but in the uh, European law clearly states that the environmental concerns take precedence over the economic concerns. And in addition, European law is based on the precautionary principle, which means, uh, you know, in a simplified way, if you think you might hit the wall with your car, you are actually allowed to step on the brakes before you hit the wall and not after hitting the wall where you have all the scientific evidence that it was there, right? Um, or um, Europeans uh, uh, look at the American system as um, shoot first, um, ask questions later. And the European system has the precautionary principle where um, – Actually, the industry has to prove that their products are safe. And it's not that um, you, you can uh, start to market and only if you have scientific proof that the products are unsafe uh, can there be regulatory action. Are they trying to make this so that the laws in Europe are changed so that it becomes profit as the most important component instead of the protection of the environment? Is that their goal, do you think? Um, well, um, that is their overall goal. Um, that's why they are very much in support of free trade agreements like uh, TTIP and TPP, because those agreements would actually limit what we could do in the EU going forward. In this particular case, of course, in the court case, they cannot change the law. But what they want to accomplish is that there is a significant change in the interpretation of the law, where their business interests take uh, a much higher priority and where the environmental concerns um, need to be um, proven with much more uh, scientific certainty. How soon might we expect a, a verdict from the court and what kind of standing will that decision have in this whole uh, issue? You've raised some very interesting elements to this, the fundamental questions about business and the environment. I find it intriguing, and most of us haven't looked at it in quite this detail up to this point. Yeah, this is, I think, globally an extremely interesting point because it's basically a battle between industry and regulators. And um, in Europe, um, democracy, um, I, I can say from my own experience, is still uh, reasonably alive and well. So uh, the regulator actually has a spine and the regulator is um, not captured by, uh, by industry. And... Um, uh, the, the questions that are being uh, raised by this case are questions that uh, are just uh, as um, important 
in the relationship uh, with regulators and industry in other countries. In terms of the question you raised about um, uh, when might we ex expect a verdict, uh, we don't know. Um, the um, I, I, it looks like uh, they want to uh, be able to hear all three cases and then um, deliberate. So we might have a, a verdict in the next few weeks. There is, uh, though, um, in a possibility for, um, uh, for appeal of the initial verdict of the court, uh, where a even larger panel of justices of the courts can hear the case. So I think for both sides, the stakes are extremely high. Should industry prevail, then the commission has to probably appeal the case because otherwise, for future problems, they would be extremely limited in their options to, to respond to such a crisis. On the other hand, if industry loses the case, they will argue um, the basis for their business model which is invest in a lot upfront in development and authorization of a product and then make money on the back end. This business model is in, in jeopardy. So um, um, the ultimate verdict may actually be another two years away. Wow, that's a long time. It is. I mean, it is dragged on already for more than two years just to get to this stage. And it'll probably it could be another two uh, years. But um, the good news is, in the meantime, uh, the measures that um, uh, the commission has taken uh, stay in effect. Um, at least um, they're they are not being um, um, uh, withdrawn because of this uh, legal challenge. But it is an extremely high stakes uh, game. Uh, about the application of the precautionary principle and the rights of regulators to uh, take action based on new evidence. The position, by the way, of industry is extremely, I would say, annoying, because as you know, in the original authorization process, they're doing everything to make sure the tests are limited the duration of the test is limited. Uh, they are trying to have as streamlined an authorization period uh, or process as possible. I think they know if you would actually thoroughly review all the risks of their products prior to authorization, there may never be an authorization, right? If you limit the testing that is being done prior to authorization, the risk is actually pretty high that you have unpleasant surprises when the products are actually used in the field. So uh, in, in order for their business model to work, they have to weaken both the process prior to authorization and the uh, ability to act after the authorization. This is the game that is going on here right now. Very interesting. Walter, 
thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today, and I do wish you all the best. You know that you have our support, and we really hope that things do come in favor for the beekeepers or for the for the bees for all the pollinators. Thank you very much. Thank you, Walter. It's always good to talk with you, and uh, I've said for a long, long time that these issues are far more than just the bees, and you've certainly enlightened us to some of the arguments that are going on here. I find it intriguing, and they're very important questions that we need to to answer properly. Yeah. I hope that the and outcome is a good one. Yes, and we have um, in the back of our minds that... Uh, if we achieve the right outcome for the beekeepers in Europe, hopefully you have something to talk to your regulators about. I'm sure that that decision will also impact the folks in Canada as well in Australia, because I know that they're struggling. They're struggling everywhere, but I do believe that this case will impact everyone else. Walter, thanks again. Folks, yep. please check out the companion article, yes. which will be available on theorganicview.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.